0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by the Museum of Food and Drink, sparking curiosity about food with exhibits you can eat. For more information, visit
2: mofad.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network, Broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
3: We talk about food. We talk about music with music.
4: on the golden sheets In the morning you were asleep Hazy in your golden days There was a child Moving on a mother's breast Breathing only the dust and the light. But you know it's awfully hard to dream. Mother's arms, black as morning, wearing the lights, glowing so my sister could see. I felt it all, but you know it's all. talk about it, try to recall the girls when I was 17.
5: Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. I'm your other half, Greg Bresnitz. That was just San Fermin from their 2013 Snacky Tunes performance. We are going deep into the archives today because there is a dance party <laughs> in the back of Roberta's. Uh, but it's for, uh, a, it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause. So, I uh, will uh, give the people home a listen. Oh, it's a good time out there. Uh, first up, though, we have uh, Emily and Matt Highland of uh emmy squared welcome coo and executive chef respectively yep co-owners yep yeah welcome to welcome how does it feel to be someone on someone else's pizza turf
6: we like coming here every time we're on heritage we eat at roberto's after it's like a tradition
5: Mm -hmm. what do you what do you normally get do you have a standby or do you see what their what new pizzas they're dishing out i actually
7: always get pasta i think the pasta here is wonderful it is wonderful yeah it's really really good oh
5: you. I guess correct. That is the correct answer. That's you correct. get a bowl of pasta. I mean, I had I, I, I I enough pizza, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would say you probably. How much pizza do you eat? Um, at least every other day. Every other day, at I least. Mean, um, you're born in Brooklyn, right? Yes. Uh, so you've been eating pizza your entire life. Correct. Do you remember the first?
7: Yes, I do. Actually, it was in Bay Ridge. Uh, it was a place called Carmines, which I don't think is there anymore. It was on 86th and around Third Avenue.
5: Just the idea of saying Carmine's in Bay Ridge. Aye, <laughs>
7: right, get a slice. Yeah, it's got the the those like uh, brown tiles on the floor, brick yeah. wall, like an orange booth. I've never lots of I've, shaky shaky uh, t- condiment toppings.
5: I've never been, but I've been. You've been. You know yeah, what I mean? You know, you know what it is. Um, Emily, where'd you grow up?
6: New Jersey. Okay, so
5: yeah. pizza your entire life, too?
6: Yeah, for the most part.
5: Do you remember your first slice?
6: I don't remember my first slice, but in high school, there was, like, the slice shop in town called Lenny's, so after basketball practice, we ate there, like, three nights a week.
5: Lenny's? Yeah. That's good old Lenny's. <laughs> exactly. What was yours? What was your first? Do, what, do you have a favorite slice?
6: In the city here? No, just, or,
5: or just like, in general, Lenny's.
6: I was just, like, a, like a classic, like, round, sli- like, you know, New York-style pizza place.
5: Do you judge places by their cheese slice is that your litmus test definitely
7: you go when you order the margarita or the classic or the cheese and and then from there you know if you want to come back and order more toppings
5: yeah but sometimes i I think some of the pizza toppings today have been like what am i eating like what is this amalgamation on on top of this pie (laughs) Um, so Matt, when did you when did you start uh, cooking? When did you start getting into food?
7: I uh, when I graduated college, I went straight to culinary school. I had an IT degree, and that wasn't going to happen.
6: And so. a creative writing degree. And a
7: creative writing degree. So I only did creative writing, so she could do half my homework. She was so he could
6: follow me around to class and Wait, hold my hands. When <laughs> yeah.
5: did, when did you two meet?
6: I was his RA in sophomore year of college. Oh.
5: <laughs> Oh, very nice.
6: Okay. Needless to say, I was in RHS just for one semester. Okay.
5: <laughs> Where you're like, you're like, okay, do I do I want the man or the job?
6: Right. Nobody listened to me once they found out we were dating. Oh. <laughs> you're like, um,
5: I'm gonna keep drinking in yeah. Yeah. my. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. So you guys had you two meet? Uh, I mean, just the RA, and then yeah, one just day. the RA, and then. Well,
6: strangely enough, we were we were both home on like a Friday night um, while everybody everybody else was out, and I wound up popping in and saying hi. You know, I'm your new neighbor. It was like you know the fourth week of the school year or whatever. And then I kid you not, we wound up eat, uh, ordering pizza from the local place and sat on the know. dorm room floor and ate pizza together. The story so. just
5: writes itself. That was it. Story itself. It's did you have a Did you have a pizza joint in college that you used to go to together? Where'd you order from?
6: Was it called Checkers?
7: Classic pizza Classic, classic that's classic right pizza. Yeah, Classic pizza
5: Classic uh, pizza? Yeah, in Bristol, Rhode Island Classic oh. pizza Oh yeah. Does Rhode Island do a special type of like Rhode Island-style pizza? Yeah, there's a few types There's yeah. a square type of pizza yeah. they do
7: And they're also well-known for a grilled pizza at Al Forno restaurant Which is mm. where we had one of our first real dates
5: Oh Yeah, it's a great restaurant So I'm detecting a theme <laughs> Yeah, pizza <laughs> Mostly pizza So, um, you graduate Yep. finish creative creative writing IT you just, you're just not vibing on it or you're just like um, I did an internship my senior year of IT stuff and I was
7: like I can't I don't I can't. know if I can do this for a living <laughs> and I was always interested in food like I'd, I'd want to go to culinary school but Emily convinced me to graduate college first
5: that's good, yeah just have that
7: college degree, did exactly it, did,
5: Were you happy to have that college degree when you were in culinary school?:
7: Yeah, definitely. I think I was one of the few people that had one, and um, you know it, it's good to have sort of a business or just a, a background mm-hmm. and like how to, how to like run a business or do something like that.
5: And when you I mean, when you were opening your first spots, did that really play a role into it? So many people were like we opened up, we didn't know what we were doing, It was crazy. No one did our books. It was like we were in total like <laughs> yeah. you know tax how like three years into the to, we just felt yeah. that you were much more set up and prepared from day no. one. No. I don't think. so. <laughs> I think that that, that
7: happened but but on the uh, it side of it like setting up routers oh like, yeah internet stuff i know how to do that you're really like, well yeah
5: pos worked on day one we never <laughs> had to yeah. call anybody it was amazing i, I do fix all the pos as sure but, but you do
3: hate to do it yeah
7: you hate yeah. to do it but i fix all the uh electri- hardware damn i wish you
5: <laughs> so uh, you're in culinary school and then obviously you two share a love of pizza when does the love i mean because what year is this uh, I went to culinary school in two thousand four. Okay, so pizza was sort of get, getting into like the real popular. I mean, pizza is always popular, but pizza becoming as like we see pizza now. Like, when did you start thinking like I might want to get into the game? Or when did you start thinking like maybe I'm going to just go work some other restaurants first?
7: Yeah, I, I got. Um, I was working at just some restaurants as like a line cook, um, and then around two thousand eleven. Um, this pizza place opened near our apartment, and I wanted to like kind of focus on one specialty item, mm-hmm. like a pizza or like some sort of dough kind of thing. So I went trailing at different restaurants, and and the pizza place that opened like. Like, I had no pizza experience, but some good restaurant experience, and they were just opening. So I helped them open, and then from that moment, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm only making pizza from here on in. And,
5: and do you want to shout them out?
7: Yeah, it's a Soto Casa. It's on Atlantic okay. and Smith.
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A good place. And em- Emily, what were you doing at the time?
6: I was a high school teacher and uh, instructional coach. I taught uh, English. Okay. Yeah.
5: Okay. Um, had owning or opening a restaurant ever crossed your mind?
6: We talked about it. It was always sort of like one of our dreams to do together, that sort of, you know, thing that was off and the distance that might never happen. And then um, I was really, you know, not happy in the public school system. I I worked... um, just the bureaucracy and the nonsense of it is hell. And especially as an English teacher, all of the creativity and the things that make English class what's special sure. were sucked out of my life. Um, and so it was a really prime time for me to be able to um, – I withdrew from school. I was at Bank Street getting my school building leader license to become a principal. I withdrew. I resigned. And we sort of jumped into the space of, of doing this. So.
5: And you had and no are. you had no pizza making experience so how long did it take for you to get comfortable with it and then make make the step to making your own dough where you felt people will want to come and eat my pizza cuz it tastes different than other people's
7: Um very quickly. Uh, I know this is going to sound weird but playing lacrosse as a child like really helped me learn how to use a pizza uh, oven and a uh, peel and I know that's really strange. Can you I'll take uh,
5: elaborate? Yeah,
7: so like when you use a wood fired oven, there you have a long pizza peel. Yeah. It's like holding a, a stick that you're very like to using, like when you play lacrosse or something. So it's a really strange sort of training that I had my whole life, and then hmm. I walk onto the pizza oven and I could use it within maybe two or three days. For most people, it about a year to master it.
5: Wow. So it was just like the uh, sticker is an extension of your hand and the peel is it's an like, extension.
7: Yeah, I was like, oh wow, this is really easy for me. And then, so after about a year of a Soto Casa, uh, we started working on like dough for a new project and then went from there.
5: Um, so obviously, being in a relationship is one thing but owning owning a business is another thing opening a restaurant
3: yeah. is a,
5: is a whole other third thing so what was that conversation like I mean obviously your partners you love each other you know but um, what was that decision what was that conversation did you have to set any guidelines or boundaries or was it just going in
6: we tend to be pretty Impulsive slash instinctual when we make big life decisions, so there wasn't a lot of talk about it. It was as we drove pl- past the little spot where Emily is now, we saw the for rent sign and we're like, "That's the place. We're going to do this." Sat in a cafe, like you know, tallied up what the key money might be, like called the landlord, like had my parents come look the next day, and it was like that was it. And we're very fortunate; our skill sets differ and complement each other, so there is that barrier in terms of the um, the work balance. But uh, we have fought really hard over lots of different things. Things. And I, I'm so grateful that we have the longevity and foundation in our relationship because otherwise, we'd hands down be divorced. I think from opening, opening Emily, there were lots of tears. So,
5: yeah. <laughs> um, so the name Pizza Love, uh, sorry, uh, Pizza Loves Emily. Yeah. Um, is the flip of Emily Loves Pizza, I would imagine. So do you feel that pizza truly loves you? Well, I'm pizza, so yes. Oh, is that your nickname? No, but...
6: (laughs) (laughs) And Emily Loves Pizza was taken on (laughs) (laughs) cheap. That's just your email address.
5: (laughs) Um, But So so you have the name, you have the space. What was it like opening up the first place?
6: You know, now that we're working on our, our third location, I actually... I actually don't know how just, like, Matt and I literally opened that restaurant together. Like, I don't know how the two of us, I don't know how the two of us did it. Because now we have people that are helping us with everything. But we just sort of, I think it's like what you hear about childbirth where, like, you go through it and then you have a baby and you forgot about all that other stuff. Like, that's sort of how it feels to me, at least. I I don't know how we did it.
5: It's like a fugue state where you sort of just, like. You're, you're like conscious and you're going through it And then you come out of like it later a, and you're like
6: Oh I have this restaurant yeah, Like a yeah. year later just, you're just, just like
5: oh yeah. that happened
7: yep.
6: Right I mean right would you disagree or? Yeah,
5: that, that, yeah you kind of forget all the
7: bad parts Because and then it's like how does this thing Up and running every single day and orders come in And food goes out for like three years It's been happening so it's kind of it's amazing, but yeah you kind of forget about all the bad parts of it's you know running well and successful, and then
6: you are stupid enough to do it again and again I mean yeah <laughs> I mean
5: what was uh, we're gonna just before we take a break what was one of the we'll go good and bad of the early days, what was one of the the best things and one of the worst things?
6: you can go ahead
7: oh I, gotta, I don't know um. You know, uh, our permits got delayed a lot. You know, like uh, putting a wood-fired oven in New York City is a very difficult thing. Probably
5: one of the
8: hardest.
7: Yeah, and then having, you know, the building department just being like, no, 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 no. But it's like, look, there's all these wood-fired ovens around. And I guess when it finally got approved, it's like, all right, now it's time to really go and move. And we got it open within probably two months of getting the permits approved. So that was nice. Yeah.
6: Yeah. I think uh, my best thing is easy. It's all the community members that we have at Emily. Like The people are awesome. My best friend is this little seven-year-old girl, Quinn, who comes in like once a week with her family. And I think one of the worst days was when um, we had taken a vacation. We got home, like put our bags on the ground, get a call from our sous chef. It is raining in the kitchen. The ceiling collapsed. It's like, oh, great.
5: Okay. (laughs) Friday
6: night Uh, at 530.
5: Well, uh, on that note, we're going to take a quick musical break, hear something from the archives, and come back, talk about your burger, and then the (laughs) Detroit-style pizza. Uh, We have a track from the Snacky Tunes archive, surprise us David, Juliana Bartwick Juliana Bartwick, one of my favorites never mind, I'm being surprised right now here on heritageradionetwork.org Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Uh, we have Matt and Emily of Emmy and... as Emily and Emmy Squared. Um, talking about... Talking about pizza. Pizza's been a through line of your entire life. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, let's talk about that burger. Let's talk about that burger, <laughs> though. Speaking of pizza, the Spe- burger. Speaking, the speaking burger. about that pizza, let's talk about that burger. So you have a you have a burger, yeah. Um, and obviously, burgers are you know they're they're still hot, still hot. But you limit your burgers to twenty five. Yes. Why?
7: Uh, we have a very small restaurant, um, and we're built to make unlimited pizza. <laughs> so we got this really uh, cult following of our burger. Um, at the same time, like New York Magazine and The Infatuation yeah, and a couple other guys just blew up our burger um, almost immediately. And then we started getting phone calls like, I want 100 burgers to go because they thought we were Shake Shack. <laughs> so uh, we were just like, all right, let's 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 make this functional so we can have good quality. We keep consistency. Yeah. And, you know, 25 um, is just a, a nice round number. And, um, um, do you sell them out all the time? Yeah. Everyone, every night. Every but on night.
6: Saturday and Sundays at lunch, we're able to because of staffing and stuff do unlimited at lunch. It's a three-hour service, and we can handle it in that contained sort of place.
5: Pro tip: You want the burger, you don't want to stress out. Go during lunch. Exactly. Yep. How, how quickly does it sell out? Um, sometimes it's under an hour.
7: Yeah, last um, night
6: was like six <laughs> ten. So yeah, so that was wow,
7: an hour and ten minutes. And then sometimes um, you know during the week it can be a little slower, like nine o'clock.
5: Okay. So Um. So. Emily's been open for a minute, right? How long did it open before you start saying, like, let's double down? Let's, <laughs> like, I, I remember only the good stuff. I remember it was super easy to open a restaurant. Um, I love setting up POS. It's my favorite. Yeah, yeah I love it. Hey, honey, we don't need an IT guy. You got me. Um, so what made you decide to open up Emmy Squared? And what did you, I guess, what did you think you could add to the conversation? Like what more could you add that you couldn't do within your first restaurant?
6: Well I think that uh square pizza has always been something the two of us have loved. We've always loved to order that in the old days, back in Tribeca, we've to eat a lot, eat a lot of square pizza. And um, our friend Adam Cuban um, runs a Margos pop up, which is his bar pie pop up out of Emily, and he cooks in pans. And so mm. the marriage of uh, square pizza and cooking in a pan is something that's really inspired us for a long time. And Matt's been fiddling with that since Emily opened. And um, we had, you know, we've always had folks interested in helping us grow, and um, so we had some friends that uh, sort of pushed us in that direction, and here we are so for
5: those who don't know what detroit style pizza is because i will admit until i saw your instagram which my wife can attest to i obsessively follow (laughs) and i go i go Anna, like look at this pizza and she's like yes there that's that's very nice um how did you what is detroit style pizza and how did you first hear about it especially being primarily east coasters your entire life
6: so it's, well, I can maybe talk about the characteristics and then you can talk about it too. But um, it's typically cooked in an 8x10 uh, pan that's modeled off of the pans that steelworkers used in Detroit to hold auto parts.
5: So awesome. Yeah. So, so just like, <laughs> like blue collar look. Like, oh. right. yeah.
6: um, and it has like a super cheesy crust called the frico crust. It has like a, a pretty crispy bottom, like a really airy middle, and then the sauce goes into parallel stripes uh, down the length of it.
5: You you know I'm excited. Yeah, right. You know we're coming in tonight. This isn't even a joke. <laughs> we're coming in tonight. Um, and so what made you wanna make that type of pizza? I mean you I mean you get to like claim that you you're New York, Brooklyn's first Detroit style pizza? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Come on. And, a little bit more conviction. Come on. Are. Sure. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, are we are. Yeah. Um, So what makes, I mean, obviously you've been mastering a a certain type of dough and and getting popular with that. Um, What made you want to be like, we're making this type of pizza and we are saying we're not just dedicating like Sunday nights, get to drink house pizza, like a whole restaurant dedicated to it.
7: Um, You know, it's sort of the same way the, I guess the Emmy burger evolved where it's just, I put something on the menu because I want to eat some other style. Like I wanted a burger at the end of the night and things like that. Whereas like this was like, all right, well, I want to be able to have square pizza whenever I want to eat it. So I'm just mm-hmm. gonna open a square pizza restaurant.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's <laughs> that, I mean, that's really how we we operate. Like. <laughs> and does the so. dough does the dough differ at all? Did you have to come up with a new recipe, or is it the same dough as your other pizzas?
7: Oh, it's very different. Uh, it's a higher hydration. Um, it proofs in a pan overnight, so like it it does. Um, it's a little more airy um, because it's not cooked in a wood fired oven the way our uh, dough at Emily is. So it, it is a different process, different ingredients, everything.
5: Any sports help you prepare uh, for the short-style pizza? Or? Uh, just being,
7: I think, overweight in college was a good, uh, <laughs> good preparation, reading a lot of thick pizza. So, uh-huh.
5: yeah, that, uh, yeah, that, that that's, that's deep-dish pizza hut, right? right, yes. right. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, being a couple, having two restaurants, what is it like? I mean, at, do you have to just divide and conquer even more? Do you bring more people into the team? Like, how do you guys... How do you two run two successful businesses together?
6: We uh, There's a lot of bouncing around and organically being where one of us is needed to be. It's fortuitous that there's two of us who are the owners so that we're often split and Matt's mm-hmm. at one and I'm at the other, uh, which has happened more and more, I think, as we've grown. And it's been really nice to just sort of evolve our team, I think, naturally. Our director of operations is a woman who started off as a waitress for us a few months into Emily and now runs the show with us. Um, and a lot of the folks who've sort of come up into key roles have moved up in the ring which is something we really believe in. So we have a good team of people that are part of that original culture of pizza loves Emily and are really valuable friends in our life, quite frankly. So it makes it really easy to trust and work with those folks.
5: And and what can you tease or talk about for future projects?
6: Well, we're opening in the West Village, a Pizza Loves Emily concept, and we have one of the oldest ovens in the Blue Ribbon Bakery space in the city, so we're mm. really excited to use it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully be open not too long from now. Was <laughs> it there
5: already? And, or did you acquire it and bring it into the new location? It's built
6: into the building. Uh, yeah. So
5: is that easy for permitting? Like it was all done? Yeah,
7: yeah basically. They, they think it's, it's grandfathered in. Yeah, the Blue Ribbon guys think it's from the 1850s. Wow. So it's an old oven. Have
5: you gotten to, I mean, obviously... Every oven is is different. How long does it take for you to learn an oven? Uh,
7: well, we're going to have to change the dough and things like that, so we have to see what... Um you know, see what works in that temperature of it, really? things like that. Because yeah. it's
5: just so much hotter.
7: Um, it'll probably be cooler actually than, oh, okay. than the oven we're using at Emily. Um, so yeah, we just kind of have to wait and see. Once it's once we can really get it fired, and it's see, 18 you know, it's feet fast. deep. Yeah,
5: it is. It's wow. Big. That's like by, uh, by 14 feet. You like so. like a stack a basketball hoops. Couple couple <S laughs> of bodies. What? Sorry, yeah, <laughs> <not> right. where <laughs> <laughs> um, You didn't like that on Yelp? Why don't you come in <laughs> yeah, Take a uh, look inside. I mean, so uh, and I'll ask like three projects, right? Yep. First two in Brooklyn, that's sort of like you're you're running across the street more or less. I mean it's it's not, but it's like that. But now you're going to the city. How do you, there's not three owners, there's not unless you have like a third like partner who you just go, All right, sometimes you are gonna have to be here and you can't be at every restaurant every night. How do you like how do you settle that inside you?
6: Well, our director of operations is amazing, Annie. Um, and so she really is our third musketeer, I think. And yep. uh, uh, we're very fortunate that we live in downtown Brooklyn, so our train proximity to uh, all three restaurants is, like, perfect. ideal. Mm. So uh, it's easy to bop back and forth between them.
5: Yeah. Um, so I have to ask about the Instagram, because your Instagram game is A+. Um who is it? Who runs it? I do. All Matt. All Matt. Both uh, locations. Um how did you Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um how did you get just so uh, I mean I'm telling you like <laughs> again you my, I can attest to it that I am I've been drooling over the those photos. Um <laughs> is that part of your creative process?
7: Uh, you know, um, I just tried to I guess use my creative writing background, and, um, especially for
5: the captions I definitely the captions I was like this guy seems like he's he's at like a like a, a, like a batter level of of, of proficiency <laughs> yeah. and then um,
7: and then I tried to think of each restaurant has its own sort of persona so sure I tried to make the Instagram feel like each restaurant where the emily instagram shoots out like a lot of little kissy hearts and mm. and smiles and <laughs> and the uh, and the emmy squared ones like high fives and uh thumbs up because like it's a, a like good, a, you know it's like a bro yeah it's like, like a, a bro like a bad boy yeah like a, <laughs> a, a bad boy and a sweetheart right yeah, exactly <laughs> like, so right. That, that's sort of the personas that i try to keep uh constant with the with uh, the voice of the accounts well it's deeply appreciated
5: <laughs> last question uh i've heard the best joke that everyone's favorite pizza spot is three blocks from their house where's your favorite pizza spot uh, and is that statement true? It can be, I guess. Uh, what's our favorite pizza spot?
6: I mean, I feel like my most local spot in my life is Emily Restaurants. so <laughs> yeah. it's my favorite because I eat I, it all I the I time. I live there. I yeah. technically
5: live there. I mean, I have a home, but I live, I live there.
6: Right.
7: Um, I'd say my favorite pizza place is three blocks from Emmy Squared. Uh, best Pizza. I like that place.
5: Uh, best Pizza is great. Shout yeah. out to Best Pizza and Roberta's because that's where yeah. yeah where we're sitting. Um. All right. So. Oh, and I'd be remiss to say. The, I heard the decorations at Emmy Squared are all knickknacks from your childhood.
6: Both restaurants. Both actually. restaurants. Yeah. yeah,
5: that's great. So you're like mom, dad, ship everything up from the bedrooms, the basically. Attics. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, uh, where can people find you online? Instagram, Facebook, websites. Make reservations.
6: We're on, <laughs> we're on Resi. We're on Caviar and Pizza Loves Emily uh, and Emmy Squared Pizza on Instagram.
5: Awesome. Um, fantastic. Oh, what's your favorite holiday to serve p- for like delivery pizza? Like Super Bowl, New Year's. What do, you, what, do, what do you guys love?
6: Uh, New Year's Day. Everyone New, is, yeah, Year's day is hung great. over and wants mm. their curbs. That's a yeah. good day. Yeah. That's, that's a big day? Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a big,
5: you're just like putting in that seed money for number three, number <laughs> yeah. four, number five. Like, here we go. <laughs> Everybody go and have a big night. Uh, well, thank you so much. Excited to come in tonight with the wife and the bro and the friends. Cool. We're going to carb load. Nice. Carb load for the week. <laughs> uh, we're going to take another quick musical break from the archives. Leave the planet. And then we have San Furman. Uh, 2013 performance and interview here on Snacky Toons on uh-huh. HeritageRadioNetwork.org
1: I'm Dave Arnold, the host of Cooking Issues on the Heritage Radio Network. We all know and love Chinese takeout dishes like General Tso's chicken and egg rolls. But here's the thing. Even though we call it Chinese food, it's not like the food you'd find in China. What's the story behind this cuisine, and how did it become so popular that you can find a Chinese-American restaurant in nearly every town in the country? The answers may surprise you. Visit the Museum of Food and Drink in Brooklyn and see our newest exhibition, Chow, Making the Chinese-American Restaurant. Chow engages visitors with compelling accounts of how Chinese immigrants overcame racism and created Chinese-American cuisine. Discover the science behind the flavors of your favorite takeout dishes. Feast on rotating tastings developed by the country's most talented Chinese-American chefs. And try your hand at writing your own fortune, which will be baked into actual cookies by a 1,500-pound fortune cookie machine. What better way to learn, connect, and eat? You can visit Chow at the Museum of Food and Drink on Fridays through Sundays from noon to 6. Tickets and more information can be found at mofad.org.
5: Uh, all right, welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Uh, we have San Fermin in here, all five of you, but you guys are kind of rolling a little light today. Uh, do you want to go around the room and introduce yourselves? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm Alan. Uh, I'm Ellis. Ray.
8: I'm Eliza.
2: I'm Tyler.
5: Okay, great. Um, well, it's nice to meet you guys. I saw you all play at Glasslands a few weeks ago. It was pretty blown away. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, let's start with Ellis because this is pretty much your... Maybe I'll swing that mic towards him uh, a little bit this guy? Ah, yeah that guy right there um, this is pretty much you know your your baby to begin with say least so do you want to give a little history on you know how the record came to be or how you uh, chose to write this in like a beautiful what sounds like epic setting
8: yeah yeah it was a uh, it was actually right when I graduated from college I had this idea to write this uh, album sort of as a, as a single piece. And I had actually, right before I graduated, I had done a concert with my band and then with a bunch of chamber music that I had written. Um, and the the chamber music was the first half and the band was the second half. And I was, you know, sort of the process of putting that all together, uh, I realized that I could make those worlds come together in a way that felt really natural for me. So I went to Canada and I stayed in a cabin in uh, Banff, which is in Alberta, in the, in the mountains. Beautiful. And, yeah, it's super beautiful. And, and uh, I guess I was there for... I I was there for two months, and I planned the record out on the way there, and I I wrote it, you know, all sort of in MIDI format, and I knew that I'd be writing for Alan, because he's always been the guy that I work with, uh, with vocals, and a friend from since we were 14 or 15, Um, but then, yeah, and then, you know, once I came back, it was a process of putting the band together, and sort of recording it step by step, I mean, I'd bring in sax one day and maybe like three weeks later i'd bring in trumpet you know it was just it was just a do-it-yourself kind of thing
5: and at what point does it go from a solo man's adventure in the wilderness of canada to uh, a group project where like we we couldn't possibly do it with anything less than this you know when does it s- switch over to that
8: uh you know i really feel like it, it, it switched honestly when i started working with alan like right as soon as i got back because um, he just has you know He's always been We've always collaborated And You know I wanted to get this first The first section of this thing Written by myself But once I started working with uh, Showing him the songs It really became a back, Much more of a back and forth I don't know Alan if you have something To speak to on that
9: Yeah uh, I mean Even while Ellis was in Canada He would occasionally Send me a song And uh, some lyrics to Mullover And just sort of uh, you know, to have someone to bounce it off of. Uh, I don't think there was a whole lot of human contact in Canada, which uh, was good for the record. I don't know what kind of effect it had on Ellis. But, uh, yeah, and you know, we just continued to work on it and sort of grew that way.
5: And how much of? A, I mean, this interesting because you know, how much of it w- was a collaboration or how much influence did you have on it, or was it mostly your vision? There maybe a couple tweaks on some words or lyrics or notes once once in practice.
8: Well, it was interesting because because I I mean, the reason I one of the reasons I wrote this record was that we had been. You know, in bands before, where we actually would split songwriting duties, and he actually wrote a song uh, for the band that we had before this band. Name,
5: what was it? Call uh, Your it History. Was, it
8: was called The Marians and the song was called Wires. And it was this song, and he had written it, but he had, uh, he actually forgot his capo when he came to show me, so he played it really low and sang it really low, and it was like, oh my god, we're moving you down a fifth. Like we're gonna, <laughs> you're, you're only singing low. You know? So on, so honestly, like he was in my head the whole time that I was uh, I was working on this. So. You know, I mean, I think I tried to anticipate a lot of the things that he actually would do with it as I was writing. But there's a ton of things. I mean, once we came back, you know, there was a lot of changing where the words were and, and, uh, and you know, lyrical substitutions. And we changed some melodies, right? I mean...
9: Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, on the album, because uh, the, the male and female leads are, are so much characters in this story that it was important that uh, all the lyrics sort of fit comfortably and it didn't feel like... Um, it was being jammed in there or anything like that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that was mainly what we worked on.
5: And how did the rest of you get involved?
8: Well, so uh, Ray, um, actually, I should start with Eliza, because Eliza, uh, she she plays violin and does backup vocals with us, and she went to Yale with me, and we were in, like, a million theory classes together. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Ellis and I were both music majors at Yale, so we, he just knew me from that, and when he was starting to get people together to do this project, and uh, the band was going to have its first performance, he asked me if I would be interested in being involved, um, just because I, I do both uh, sort of classical singing and classical violin, and, and since, um, you know, the, as you know, this sort of genre crossover with, with this music, he wanted to have people, I think, coming from that background, um, as well
8: And uh, Eliza's got a great band called Plume Giant as well And I knew that she had a lot of experience playing You know, on a stage Indie and folk music So that's how she got involved And then actually Eliza got Ray involved
2: Yeah, Ray was was someone I knew from my other musical uh, stuff So I, I suggested I her to Ellis And Ellis was looking for a, a female lead mm-hmm. And it's obviously worked out <laughs> pretty well
9: And then uh, Tyler uh, Actually, I, I took uh, some guitar classes uh, While well, in my last year at NYU, and um, I picked randomly out of a list, uh, and I picked out Tyler. Uh, and to be honest with you, we didn't get a whole lot done. We would usually get in there and <laughs> play guitar for about ten minutes, and then talk about gear for the rest of the hour. Um, but yeah, when we were looking for a guitar player, he was just really solid, and I knew he gigged a lot, and uh, it's been great. You uh, got a C minus, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: why don't we get uh, Why don't we get the the song going? What's the first one you're gonna play?
1: Oh, darling.
8: Yeah, the song's called O'Donnelly. <coughs> One,
3: two, three, and...
4: say see.
5: It doesn't sound very good to have one person clap but it actually sounds like more condescending a thing but that was great <laughs> that was really really good so let's talk about the themes on the record um, you know where you know where does the inspiration come from and you know how did you structure something and including the, that you knew that you were performing it in arrangements versus like some of your older more traditional rock bands
8: um, so I knew that I wanted to have this structured a little bit as a dialogue between a male and a female character I mean one of the interesting things about not singing (laughs) like I do uh is that you can divorce yourself a little bit from both of the characters and have a little bit of a uh space there so like I sort of split a lot of the things that I was thinking of into two like really different viewpoints the male character is a little more uh grandiose maybe a little bit goofy a little hopeful very like he's looking for something really important in his life and the female character sort of uh, she emerged from a lot of the cynicism that I have about that, and so it sort of started. To, she often will sort of directly respond to the to the male character, and and the the course of the record, it, it I mean, it, it's about it's about this back and forth. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, talk about um, you know, try, like sort of there's a lot of suspicion around romantic love, and a lot of like sort of trying to, to work your way through these, these issues and there's also a lot of nostalgia
5: is that personal or is that pulling from
8: it's pulling from through? pulling from a lot of things I mean I think the so um, personal <laughs> <laughs> no you know it's, it's, it's really like a mixture uh, I was reading a lot of a lot of books up there um, and that helps also when you're in a space like that you know where you don't have anyone really that you're spending time with except for yourself uh, all the any little emotion you're feeling gets sort of expanded to fill that space you know um so being just out of school, you know, being, you know, a lot of my friends were making very important decisions with what they were going to do with the rest of their lives, and I think that was, that was certainly personal, that, that kind of, the suspicion and scaredness and all that stuff that I had about that was definitely...
5: So the record comes out September 17th, yes. Downtown, which is one of the best record labels out there. How did you end up connecting with Downtown for, for this record? Uh, actually it was kind of funny
9: Um, so some of the early stuff I uh, I showed my girlfriend obviously she made me uh, and her roommate had a friend who was interning at downtown um, and yeah some of the songs got passed along and uh, Josh Deutsch um, who runs downtown uh, showed up at our first show which was uh, at Pianos uh, in the Lower East Side um, and came up to us right afterward and really loved it Um, it was awesome we had uh, I mean you think this is a big group the first time we got on stage I think we had like 13 people on the stage of pianos which is actually shoulder to shoulder
5: yeah i was gonna say even thinking eight on that stage is kind of pushing it oh
9: yeah we're like we're stripped down now but it was you know 12 or 13 people and he came up after and the crowd was really supportive lots of friends obviously but um, they had
8: us play Sunset twice yeah
9: they, they asked for an encore at the end and it was just uh it was an amazing experience and then josh was sort of um you know right there and downtown has been awesome uh the whole way really supportive
5: and how are you taking uh eight people on the road for the first time
9: uh, I think we we're each taking a separate car. Eight <laughs> hey cars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's we're we're definitely we're we're definitely comfortable uh. with each other. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I think
6: we're I think we're getting a big, big yeah. van, right? We'll have a big van. There's a, I mean, yeah. we've
8: performed enough shows where we're shoulder to shoulder that like being in a car shoulder to shoulder will be just fine. I yeah. Think. yeah. And what cities
5: <laughs> are you guys
8: heading? Um, we're doing. Uh, it's going to be. Um, I mean, a lot of big metropolitan areas. We're doing all the big cities on the East Coast. We're doing uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee, which is raised. Is that where you're from? Home? Yeah. 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 Homecoming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're uh, then we're going to hit all the cities on the. We're doing uh, San Diego, LA, up the West Coast, all the way to Vancouver. And then eventually to Iceland, and then hopefully after that to. You Europe.
5: pointed that way, Iceland's the other way.
8: Yeah.
5: <laughs> <fair> <laughs> Yeah, airport's that way. Um, that's amazing. And then playing uh, here September 20th at LPR, which is a perfect setting for you guys. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful venue, and I think we'll lend greatly. Um, I want to make sure we have time for one more song, but um, if you want to give people the nuts and bolts where they can find you, how they can follow you, pre order the record. I'm sure it's available now. And um, and yeah. I saw congratulations streaming on NPR today yeah. as well which is amazing so yeah, uh, congrats Thanks. to that
9: Thanks. yeah, so yeah. That, that stream just went up um, yeah you can stream it on NPR it comes out uh, next Tuesday uh, I think you can pre-order it on Amazon uh, and then obviously you know Twitter, Facebook all of the yeah San
8: Fermin Band look us up on Twitter we, we,
5: uh... awesome so what are you going to take us out with
8: uh, this song is called Methuselah and uh, this one's got acoustic guitar. It's the only song in on our set that has
5: acoustic guitar. Gotcha. Uh, well, everyone, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest from Feast Portland. Uh, this will actually be our last Monday episode for Snacky Tunes. After four years, we'll be moving to Sundays because we just can't swing leaving work anymore. Uh, so, um, thanks for everyone listening and for everyone coming by. But we will be back next Sunday with a whole new episode. Uh, take us out. One, two.
4: Pass a message to you When you're a lover Like a dirty bouquet With your wine I to my body Some roses I will fly Till I get you alive Are you thinking of me now? Methuselah I'm a passenger, I go, I go, I go, I go along Have you found a place that's deeper than the corners of your mind To settle down Boats in the weather Carry me as I drift In the night Of you know me now, Methuselah. I'm a passenger. I go, I go, I
3: go, I go. And I have you found a place that's deeper than the corners of?
4: I go, I go, I go, I go
3: go. Have you found a place that's deep talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the
2: pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org.